This is how legends are made. Legendary. There's so many legends in this building today. Legendary. Well, welcome to Legendary, the podcast. I'm Kevin Jonas Sr., and today we have an amazing opportunity. We're able to speak with Busted uh, from the UK. As a group, they have traveled the world, and we have benefited from their music in ways that are special. I really am looking forward to this discussion. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having us on, man. It's my pleasure. Uh, I've been aware of your music, obviously, for a long time, and we'll get to that later. But uh, thank you, guys. Uh, I have been a fan, uh, loved your music, loved the TV show when you guys were doing it here, and congratulations on the continued success. Thanks a lot. You you were the one viewer. It was you. No, I was, (laughs) along with my kids. (laughs) Yeah, that was the one TV that watched it in America, yeah. Well, that was me. I, I paid right, attention. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. That was the weirdest um, kind of a, kind of thing for us, that we'd never really done anything like that. And, and, and to be honest, reality TV wasn't really a thing then. It was just right. kind of like um, kind of becoming. And they, they kind of came to us and said, do you want to like do a show of you going to America? Because we were kind of um, – we were really big in the UK at the time and we'd never really – tried the states and so it was but when you say reality tv it was a very different experience what we experienced filming that show it was kind of very um you know they were like so we're going to play this show but no one's going to turn up and we're like what how how does that work you know so it's kind of it was you know it was slightly formulaic but it was um but i had a great time like i loved america most of all so it was um i think they call those docu follows now Yeah. yeah Yeah, where yeah. They, they kind of follow you around and they 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 will throw a few things in there but for the most part they're just following your life and yeah but for those that aren't aware mtv was the host for the guys show as they came to the u.s and and it was actually fascinating to watch you guys uh make your way here we were watching with interest because that was right at the beginning stage of uh jonas brothers individually and collectively coming together so we so had Jonas Brothers formed at that point when, when no. we came over they were they, oh, they weren't they, they they were so Nick and Joe were doing Broadway at that time oh uh, right yeah well so let, let's go back guys I would love for everybody that's watching and listening I would love to know the background I know I know we have some upcoming things that are exciting but I would love to know how this group of guys got together how did it form you know, what are the origins of Busted? So, um, so Matt and I uh, auditioned, we, you know, had the dream of being in a band as a lot of people, I suppose, did at the time. Um, I think now people tend to want to be YouTubers, but, you know, back then <laughs> people, you know, people wanted to be in bands and we um, auditioned for a band that we didn't get into, like we weren't successful. And we ended up starting our own band together and looking for uh, somebody to be in that band with us. And that turned out to be Charlie. And uh, we started the band together and um, uh, we got signed really quickly after Charlie joined. We uh, labels were very interested straight away. Simon Cowell, I went to his office and we played for him acoustically in his office and 
to our like amazement, he just said right there and then that he wanted to do it. And which was a big shock for us because he was regarded at the time as being this huge gatekeeper to the music business. And um, the word spread around the music business that he was interested in us. And then we ended up signing to Universal and, wow. and then we started to put out records. Yeah, we, we literally went round. I remember went around all the record companies just with like a couple of acoustics and we just go into like the their offices and just play some songs. I think at the time, a lot of pop bands like didn't play instruments. So I think just they were shocked that what is this pop band doing with instruments in their hands? You know, it's like kind of weird. I was like, actual musicians. Ah! Um, so, yeah. It's quite it's quite a big move when you think about it, like actually going in and playing for them. Like, I'm not sure if that kind of stuff happens a lot. I don't, no, like, our manager was like, "No, you got to go in and play for them." I was like, "It's a bit cringy playing in a in a, a boardroom or like someone's office," but it, it worked. Kind of like, and we would go for it. Like we'd jump around and jump off furniture and stuff in their offices and kind of like give them the full thing, you know. <laughs> that <laughs> is that is rare today. I mean, yeah. in our today, a lot of it is just what's breaking on TikTok. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, I mean, A&R won't even look at a band unless they've got a certain amount of numbers on TikTok, which I find, I find really sad personally, because I feel like, you know, there was that magic of, um, you know, even with, especially with rock bands, you know, there's a magic of being in a club somewhere and, and, and an A&R guy will just tip up and just watch the magic and then be like, yeah, I want to invest in this project or I want to invest in this band, you know? Well, I heard a statistic recently that only 2%, and this came from a top level guy at universal only two percent of songs that break out and those artists are signed only two percent have a successful second single really wow, wow that's it's crazy. um it's really interesting kevin that you say that about that a r is tiktok now um because it's funny because obviously when we started the band 20 years ago um i really you know we all really wanted to make music and release music. And funnily enough, 20 years later, we still quite like do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's because, so... it's, because it's about the music. You guys are real musicians. You're, you're, yeah. you're true writers. You're involved in the craft. Uh, I, I think we're losing a lot of that today. Yeah. yeah and it's funny because we're really, we're really experiencing like what you're saying is that how, how, how things have changed um you can arrest people's attention now uh on tiktok in so many different ways and it really it doesn't have to be with music and um i think just the art of uh making songs and all of that is turning into it's a little bit like poets you know people don't really care about poets like someone's like songwriters and singer songwriters are going down this poet road where they're just not as relevant in people's culture right yeah yeah, I think I think what was cool about Busted at the beginning was that it really broke a mold of, um, as I say, like I remember that after the first year of Busted arriving on the scene, like guitar sales went through the roof in the UK, and they, a lot of people attributed that to our band, and I find I find that extraordinary, and and that was an amazing thing to be a part of. Do you know what I mean? Like kids were not, um, you know, I guess it's 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 happening now a bit with with uh, you know people getting into. Um, electronic music production and that kind of stuff which is again is a good thing if kids are going to get into their bedroom and start producing their own songs off the back of watching some artist um do it but i i feel like that was a a great part of the busted legacy is that we sort of got kids um into playing music which i think was cool 
Amazing. Now, let me ask you a question. You go in, you do these acoustic sets in front of gatekeepers, uh, record companies. Did you have recorded music at that point or were you doing your original songs acoustically? We did have um, we did have recordings of our songs, but what happened was, I mean, I remember the Simon Cowell meeting quite vividly. We played for him first and then he didn't say anything. We planned, we had four songs. We thought he might stop us sooner. We were prepared for him to stop us at any time. And we played to the end of the songs that we had prepared. And we just said, oh, that's, that's all we have now. And he still didn't really give anything away. And then he said, have you recorded anything yet? So we handed him a, a CD, which had four songs on it, uh, recorded. Um, and they sound pretty close to what they are now, like on, this, on the album. Um, and they were our singles, the singles that we released, the first four singles. And those were? Well, uh, actually, it wasn't all four of them. It was like three three of the four. It was uh, What I Go To School For, Year 3000, I think. Um, uh, Sleep and Light Crash and Burn and that, yeah. And yeah, maybe Sleep With The Light On, like one other song. Wow. That's quite a collection of songs. I mean, you know, for the Jonas fandom that pays attention and listens to this podcast. Um, obviously, two of those songs were instrumental in the world, the world of Jonas, which we'll get to. But the fact that you walked in with those classics and that was a part of it. You know, a lot of people in, in traditional A&R would say, where are your singles? You guys walked yeah. in with singles. Yeah. They were like, where's the rest of the album? <laughs> yeah, we, I think that was a big reason why uh the planets lined up for us to get signed i think like they liked the they liked the acoustic performance but i think it was a, it really kind of sealed the deal when we handed them uh produced versions of the songs i think they saw the whole thing you know so how long did it take from that moment to the premiere of your music it was a it, we signed the deal when we signed a record well we the buzz the Simon Cal meeting was before Christmas in 2001 and we signed a deal with Universal in March 2002 and then after signing the deal in March 2002 it was about six months before our first single came out wow that's fast yeah it yeah fast. it was really fast Com compared to a lot of things today I mean obviously if a song breaks out on TikTok and people chase it that's a different animal but yeah. You know, I've had quite a few people end up in A&R hell and they're stuck there. I get, you know, I, I take them to a label, they sign them. And sometimes after a year, A&R will say, well, we probably should have gone with what you came in with. Yeah. And well, but also, I feel like that's the, that's the complete turnaround for where the industry is now, because all of the sort of honing of a band or figuring out the sound or all that stuff it was usually done behind behind closed doors and the first thing the public saw was the version that everyone wanted to to show the world whereas now it's the other way around tiktokers or whatever literally start doing stuff in their bedroom and everyone can see it so everyone right. so it's like so everything is in the glare of everyone else so and i think that that makes it harder because if you want to sort of go in a new direction or try different things you're still everyone can still see you do you know what i mean um, so I think it's not, it was nice back then when you could sort of take the time, work on songs, write songs, and then sort of come to the public eye with with a with a, with a honed vision. Yeah, of yeah. Work on work on everything. Work on the songs. Work on the music videos. Work on the whole presentation. Work on it all. And like when you're ready to reveal it, reveal it. You know. 
Yeah. Were you guys doing live shows to kind of hone that part of your craft as well? We, in 2004, our touring in the UK was like really, I've, I've, we've still got like the, um, you know, like the plaque on the wall from the touring of that year. And it's just like an insane, it's an insane run for a band that's touring in the UK. It's like, when you look back on it, it's like, this is, I mean, we joke about things off. Oh, things are, things are uh, crazy now. That was crazy, you know? Yeah, I mean, at the, the time we'd broken the, we'd broken the world record for the most amount of Wembley's played back to back. Wow. And that, and that, and that, that record was held until One Direction broke it about 10 years later. And it's, I don't think it's been broken again, but like that was, that was really nuts, a nuts year. Yeah, well, I know what that feels like. And it's hard to describe for people when that rocket ship takes off. Yeah. And, and it really takes off. The thing is that very few people actually experience that. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of everything coming together. And I feel very fortunate that we did because, you know, it's a very rare event, really. If you think about how many people are releasing music and how many artists there are, for the, as, as James said, for these stars to align is a very rare event. Yeah. And people care or they wouldn't dip into their wallet. You know, I had some advice early on and it was a lady named Barbara Jones who is working actually with my youngest son now on his music, uh, managing him. And she was the head of marketing. And she said, Kevin, I'm just telling you, we've got to get you out there because the wallet is the last thing to come. And, and that is true unless you catch that rocket. And yeah. then people care and they, they spend and they buy merch and they buy tickets and they come multiple times. And yeah, yeah, it's true. That, that is when we heard about you guys. The buzz in the U.S., was real and that was even prior to the guys you know it was broadway and then nick signed a solo deal then it became the jonas brothers but we you could not miss that something was happening across the water uh and you guys were kind of trendsetters and you really were an influence on all of the things that were coming during that time whether you felt like the impact was there in the u.s it, it was yeah, I mean, I I felt we came to the U.S. when we did the show. We played some, we played a few shows. I remember we played in L.A. a few things. We played. Did uh, you want to Seattle, okay. James? Sorry. We did one in Seattle, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But I remember, like, the, the thing I'm remembering is like in L.A. We did a few things like Wango Tango, or we did um, oh. like something at a fair. Oh yeah, the ones with this where we wore the socks and the, and the shorts. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> What was so funny was, is that I remember like you would have all this talk, you know, because radio back then in America was a whole different ball game to the UK. You have like Radio 1, Radio 2, Capital FM, you have some key things in the UK, but in America, it's so fragmented with the different formats and the different states and trying right. to do radio promo in America. It's like a tour in its own thing. Yeah, it is. And, <laughs> and everyone was saying, you know, how you've got to be here. You've got to spend time here. America's a whole different thing. But what I was seeing when we were playing shows is that the people were actually no different. They would like, if anything, they're a bit more excited because I think when a band comes internationally, um, there's a feeling of that it's uh, like not so often to see them. You know, it's a rarer occurrence. And yeah. um, so I felt the excitement was was there. Um, but for us, I think we were going through so much like with the band in the UK and 
the band caught fire, like, and the way the world was back then, you know, uh, it was before Twitter, before Instagram, before social media. And it was really hard for a label to justify sending us away from the UK because right. it, it was, it was just so insane. Our schedule in the UK was crazy. And, and like, and I just think that, um, we weren't together long enough. You know, we, the band was only together for, since we released the first single, it was two years and three months till we broke up, you know? So we wow. didn't have any time for, for the States, you know? Yeah. Well, e even to this day, there are places around the world that my sons have not been able to go just because it, it you know, you, you get caught up in that whirlwind of opportunity and, yeah. and you have to keep, sewing um yeah and sometimes i wonder whether you have to to feed it as much as we did uh and i'm sure you guys probably asked the same thing but it I, they've still to my knowledge never gone to australia oh and really they have a song australia <laughs> they've never and, told australia no and they 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 will eventually, and they've been big there for a long time, but they just, it, it, it the tour routing never really worked. So yeah. you said you were together for two and a half years, uh, and that was full on. First single comes out, it's a hit. Second single comes out, it's a hit. Third single, well, I think your third single went number one, if I'm correct. Yes, yeah, so it yeah, went, went three, three, two, one. Crazy. I mean, yeah. that, that, even with a consolidated market with, you know, Radio One and all the rest, uh, you, Capital, you, any song in any market that can sustain and hit three, two, one back to back is massive. Yeah, it was crazy. I think that was yeah, another one. It's crazy that you know all the, all the stats. Kevin's got all the info. <laughs> well, uh, my wife said to me many, many years ago, someday you're going to be able to use all this useless knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's now we're doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like stats. Uh, I, I like knowing what's going on around the world. And I actually, I have to tell you guys, knowing that there was a little bit of, okay, this could eventually be the Jonas Brothers together as a band and the evolution of how that happened. You know, I was keeping my eye on it and you guys were like, okay, they're doing it. And there, there was really very few in that pop punk uh, pocket that were doing that quality of music and had energy live. And there were so many things that I was hearing about that uh, I felt like I felt like you guys were going to come over and probably even take that space. So I was even a little concerned, like watching, like, uh oh. <laughs> They well, Kevin, Kevin, you, uh, get there you, have Charlie, you have Charlie to thank for that personally, because uh, <laughs> uh, I remember at the time, you know, when I first saw the Jonas Brothers, this is like winding forward a little bit, but it was, I had no idea I, I was going to see them. It was like on the television, uh, Miley Cyrus concert. I was at a friend's house and they came on stage singing Year 3000. And I think Joe was wearing like a gold jacket and I, I remember thinking this must be the Jonas Brothers because, um, you know, I know all about this, but I had no idea it was, you know, because you don't know things are going to, you know, and we're not in the States. So right. before Miley, I guess when we were coming, 
with with our TV show at the time, Hilary Duff was kind of right. uh, the per- the person that they wanted us to go on tour with, and Charlie said no. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Charlie. <laughs> did Jonas uh, Brothers? Did Jonas Brothers end up doing that tour? No, we didn't do that tour, but that was the space that we were headed towards. Right. So, so thank you for overlooking <laughs> that opportunity because Disney would have eaten you guys up with some adjustments. Um, now I'll, I'll back up. The adjustments I might have had an issue with. <laughs> <laughs> all the adjustments that are, all the adjustments. Well, okay, so fly. let's go there. So, so we, <laughs> so Nick did a solo record. And as you guys know, this life, right? It was shelved. They kind of released released a song they didn't know what to do with it then they released a christmas song it did okay but now we're multiple songs in we're we're in a bit of a problem with that record because you know we're deep into the cuts already and they found out there were brothers and at that time steve greenberg came along who had done hansen and hansen yeah so he had done hansen josh stone fountains of wayne who let the dogs out and he was like, hey, this kid's the best thing here. And I hear there are brothers. So he came in and started working on a record. And it was original songs. They were writing. Uh, it was a big deal for all of us that they wrote a lot of the songs. And then there were some there was some turmoil at the top of the label. So now Nick shelved. Now they're headed towards being shelved. And David Massey, who's well-known from the UK, uh, David Massey had signed Nick and optioned in the guys. And he said, look, we need to retool the record. Steve was now gone. And Steve is still to this day, a dear friend. David is a good friend. Uh, and we, we, David's like part of our family. And he said, we have to retool the record. And there's a band in the UK that have a couple songs. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> We're, they're doing original songs. I'm a songwriter. They're songwriters. I know they're young. No way they're doing versions of uh, hit songs. Like it, it's not <laughs> even like they're they're hidden gems. You're asking us to do hit songs with a mega band. Like all I could all I could foresee was the hate that was going to come. And they said, no, no, no. But there was already kind of a brewing, like um, bubbling opportunity with Disney. But we weren't on Disney. We were with Sony. Right. But we were already appearing. The guys were appearing at the parks and they were doing some appearances. They were the right demo and right age for that, that audience. And they wanted to be sensitive to that. So not only was it then your hit songs, but retooled versions of hit songs. So I was obviously a nervous wreck. Uh, but what happened at that point was I, I just magical. Like they were dropped by Sony. A new guy came in uh, who is very talented, Steve Barnett. And he's like, you guys can go. And we had just done a video to year 3000. And he said, and you can take it. And we're like, we want all our masters. And they said, you can take it. So we took all those songs and year 3000 in the video with us. Wow. So we went to Hollywood records and they're, Lucky. Oh my gosh. A month later, they said, Hey, we need some sibling stuff on the channel. And Hollywood records said, well, we signed these guys and they have a song from busted 
and a version that's like friendly for this market. And they put it on air and the guy's just like, like it went from being shelved, dropped, dropped again, shelved again to an explosion. So we owe you guys like so so much. That's awesome, dude. We were, they they were literally bounced around like ping pong balls for a while and thought it was over several times. And if it had not been for your flexibility, we owe you as a family. The boys have obviously been very appreciative through the years, not without us being fearful. Your fans were like, that's a cover. (laughs) (laughs) As a big fan of TV's The Crown, I'm sad that it's ending. But the story of the British royal family is far from over and continues on the Palace Intrigue podcast. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. With Catherine beside him, our new Prince and Princess of Wales will, I know, continue to inspire and lead our national conversations where vital help can be given. The golden couple have decided they're quitting. The family motto is never complain, never explain. It's just a motto. Follow the adventures of the British royal family as they happen, daily in under 10 minutes. Listen to Palace Intrigue wherever you get your shows. I think the thing is, all that stuff is it kind of generates just kind of even more noise about it all. I mean, um, because uh, I remember I remember where I was, actually. Um, I remember where I was when I got the phone call. Um, I got a phone call from um, Dave Massey. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember, I think it must have been, it was, was it 2005, 2006, maybe 2006? 2006. Yeah. And, um, and the phone rang and it was Dave Massey. He, um, we knew him because we'd played for him. He was at Sony in the UK when we were doing the rounds to see labels. And I had kind of like a a good relationship with him. I kind of just knew him as I knew him as a record exec. Right. You know, I, I knew him as a uh, a guy who was a powerful record executive. And uh, he calls me, it's very out of the blue. And he said, um, you remember Nick Jonas? And I said, yes, I remember Nick Jonas. Um, because the first song I ever wrote when I went to Sweden, Nick recorded that song. Um, it was the first ever song I'd ever written. I, I went to Sweden. Is that post-Bustagen? We were in Busted at this point. This was this must have been like 2003, 2004. I, I went to Stockholm for the first time to work at, uh, you know, with all the Swedish guys. Um, and we wrote this song. It was with Sarvan, Sarvan Katecha. And we wrote this song called Appreciate. And Love and, that song. Yeah, and, and Nick recorded that song and I was like stoked that the song was happening. I didn't know I didn't know who Nick was, but Dave told me all about it. He was young. He was must have been 13, right? Uh he um, was 11, 12 years oh, wow. old. Wow. And that song, the producers were uh Jarl and Evan, who found Rihanna. I mean, it was a a real team. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that well. And um, and so Dave says, remember Nick Jonas? And I said, yeah. 
yeah, how's that going? And he said, uh, well, things are changing and he's got a couple brothers and we like, you know, we like to do something like Busted. And in fact, we'd like to sing some Busted songs. And I said, I don't think you need my permission for that, Dave. Surely that's like, you know, surely you can just cover whatever you want, you know? Ooh. And he said, and then he said, well, there is one thing, you know, <laughs> we don't like using certain lyrics. And I said, oh, what are the lyrics? And he said, we don't like this lyric. We don't like that lyric. It's not going to fly on Disney. Yeah, you can't talk about the teacher's panties. You can't yeah. talk about <laughs> multiple, <laughs> multiple breasts. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, so I, so I am. Um, oh, I see. It was a Disney. It was Disney that shut that down. I understand. Right, that. So, no, so I, Dave, Dave, David Massey knew that there were opportunities that were in the family-friendly camp, which worked with where we were at the time and and the, where the guys were, and, and but. It was too obvious, like Radio Disney was blowing up and had really, they were like, we will embrace these guys. But we're not walking around singing three, you know, multi-breasted women and panties on, on that format. Right. So I said to Dave, I said to Dave Massey, I said, because I was like, I certainly don't want to hold anything up. You know, I don't want to throw any spanner in the work so i just and but i also didn't want to rewrite the songs i'm you sure I, I i just thought like we'd written the songs i said so i said to him dave listen man um we want you to do what you want to do uh i don't really want to write the songs rewrite the songs but i don't want to stop you doing what you have to do either maybe if you just figure out what it needs to be make it so but as long as the publishing doesn't change then do what you want and um and he kind of, they did send back like they sent back the revised things yeah and and i and i just looked at and said you know okay well i mean i wouldn't have written that but if this is what you know is gonna happen this is what this band needs you know i thought well why not it's in america we're not using it anymore you know <laughs> we're like we're like we're like completely like finished so um and i felt on it and, and i didn't know i mean because Nick, I didn't, I was, didn't know what was going on with him. You know, I saw a picture of him. I heard him singing. I didn't know, you know, right. and I, and I certainly didn't know that they would become what they became. I just kind of, honestly, if I'm honest, I didn't think I would hear anything about it ever again. Uh, flash forward to like, flash forward to here it is, you know, on the, on the Miley Cyrus thing. So, and then it, and everyone, it was, we, I went to a water park to celebrate because, I think um, there was an unfortunate thing. We had gone through a long kind of weird, it's a whole separate story, but um, to celebrate, like we had some problems with our other songs, which we won, like we won this. When you have hit songs, a lot of people try to come after you, whatever. Um, and we, 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 we'd, we'd been in a long battle with, with, with our songs, which we eventually won. And I went to celebrate at a, uh, at a water park. And I was with my friend, and my friend, it was right after we'd seen the Miley Cyrus thing. And my friend went, you don't understand how huge this band are. And I was like, I, I guess I don't. What, I mean, how big are they? He goes, everyone here knows them. And I was like, really? It's that big? He was like, yeah. And I, he goes, watch this. He called up this, waiting in line to get on this huge water slide. And he goes, hey, you know the band Jonas Brothers? And everyone turned around and went, yeah. 
you know the song year 3000 and they went yeah and i went oh my god that's crazy like uh, the whole the whole park the whole park knew this and i was like this is where was this it was at uh six flag uh in santa clarita like um yeah you know no it it guys they literally went from shelved 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 dropped and a month later a month is that quick your song was aired on the disney channel and they were top 10 and went from clubs to arenas in like eight weeks like did did, was that did john fields produce that version no it was the guy that did hey now you're a rock star yeah it was eric valentine yeah who was it Eric worked Charlie, on I've it. I've told you that story. Like, and it was so good. Like, I, know, it, I, thought that, I thought that was about another, I, I thought that was a different, I thought that was a different, I know you probably have, but he I, every single song, time I tell it. Yeah, he did that song and then they were like, you got to go in and they, they had been writing and disappointed in all that had gone down and they had the entire first record from Hollywood Records. They had been writing in a basement in New Jersey and John, yeah, Eric was, Eric was, big time at that point right he was doing good charlotte huge massive taking back sunday i mean he was like in the pocket of all that explosion of rock music and and john was you know coming off of beautiful letdown with switchfoot so they were both yeah yeah. both massive and they all realized that this is kind of the making you know this is a real band these are real guys yeah that just happened to be pop and and thankfully you know that group of people cared enough but I would love to know what was it like for you guys knowing one, the song was different, right? And two, that it was being used and blowing this band up. Like that that literally was a catalyst. Uh, was it mixed feelings? Was it excitement? Uh, I, I've, I've waited all these years to be able to ask you that question. I um, I remember I got a, I got a call from James. James called me and he told me that they were going to cover the song, and I was like, "Cool, great." Um, I didn't really think anything of it or hear anything about it, and then I got a royalty check through um, for the songwriting of it, and it was absolutely huge. And I was like, "Whoa, what's happened? What's happening?" You know, and um, and then I just um, I went online and found and found a video, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I I um I was I was shocked at the lyric changes, first of all, but I didn't really um I was just stoked, like I was stoked that the song was having a brand new life, and um and um and people that I talked to knew the Jonas Brothers, and it was kind of um it was just a really cool, exciting thing. Me, I um I think I was coming to America at the time. I had gotten. I had just gotten my uh, visa, actually. Um, and I was coming to uh, New York to do more songwriting. And the song hit at the perfect time uh, for that because it opened up all these crazy doors. Like uh, my publishers were like, would send me to, uh, to different studios to do songwriting sessions. And I would show up and it would be like, stargate and like you know all these like (laughs) like stargate and like espionage and like all of these crazy producers and uh um and jim johnson and like all all of these insanely like you know uh claude kelly and um just 
you know, uh, John to Austin, you know, like all these, all these like people would just be like there and uh, we'd be riding together and, and, and I'm pretty sure that the, the reason they were able to get me in those rooms was because of the success of the song with Jonas Brothers, no. not with Busted, because it was relevant to them. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Charlie? I would love to know from you as well. And then I have a yeah. statement about it. Yeah, so I, I mean, for, it's weird. At that time, like, Matt James and I actually went for quite a long period with not really being in each other's lives. So I, I, I was sort of off doing something completely different. Um, and so I wasn't actually made aware of it till quite further down the line. And, and actually, Jonas Brothers were already massive. I already knew Jonas Brothers for being Jonas Brothers before I even realized that they'd done this because it didn't really, it didn't really, it didn't really, it didn't, I, I don't feel like it was people in the UK were aware of that, them doing that. Like, it, I feel like they blew up in the UK on their own, do you know what I mean, without the link to Busted. Because when I first heard of the Jonas Brothers, it wasn't, there wasn't really, it was at a point where it was just them doing it on their own, do you know what I mean? It was like SOS. Said, huh? Right. It was like correct. You probably found out about the Jonas Brothers when they were releasing like SOS. Exactly. Like yes. Songs. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And then someone said to me, "Hey, you know these guys covered your song." And I was like, "Really?" <laughs> I think Not I just covered. I mean, you know, and and that's what I was going to say is, you know, recently, you know, uh, I was looking at possibly uh, investing in a classic catalog, and I looked up one of the songs, and it was like three hundred covers. Really, and wow. I had heard at least fifty of them uh, of this classic song, and I, I think you guys wrote a song that launched multiple ships, uh, and that that says a lot about you. It says a lot about the song. It says a lot about your skill. Uh, but we owe you a debt of gratitude, guys. Uh, yeah. And I know later on, uh, I wasn't able to be there. I was dealing with some physical issues and cancer and uh, overcoming that. But you guys were able to get on stage with the guys and yeah, I see that was that was awesome. That was an awesome day, man. That was like, a real play, to, to play to play Wembley Stadium, which we'd never played. So we played most places in the UK, but that's one. Um, I don't even think they'd built it um, at the time that we broke up. Not the new version of it, you know. Right. And so when we got that call, I was like, oh, man, that would be really fun. Because at that point, obviously, you know, um, you know, a lot of fans. It's, it's funny, it's a lot of fans. There's almost arguments between fans in the UK. It's a busted song in the Americas. I know it's a Jonas Brothers song. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to put all that to bed and be like, let's just do it together. Um, I love that. Yeah. 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 And I think I that sort it. of brought them. I thought I think that sort of brought everyone together. And everyone was like, <laughs> they could be happy in the fact that you could have a song that could be big for two bands. And it's like. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a celebration, really. I mean, it's it's a rare occurrence, and uh, like, why not celebrate that? You know, I, I when we got the invitation to come to do that with you guys. I remember our WhatsApp group was just so positive about it. We were all like, you know, we were all like, it's just we got to do this. You know, British fans kind of expected there to be some kind of beef between us and the Jones, but it couldn't have been further from that. We were just stoked. So, like, as soon as they asked us, we were like, that's a really good call. And it was honestly, man, a magic moment. Like when we popped out and we came on stage with them, the place went nuts. It was seven. Um, I was, you know, struggling at the time and I was watching the stream, tears rolling down my face. But oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I so wanted to be there. Uh, guys, I am so thankful for you. You have no idea. Um, 
And when I say a debt of gratitude, I, I mean it. Um, not, not an, there are too few people that say thank you. And so a huge, huge thank you to you guys. That's lovely to say, Kevin. Thank well, you. We're, um, we're also, you know, we're also thankful, you know, we're thankful for the guys. I mean, I remember I was around, um, I was around when you guys, I would come to some of your early shows in Philly. This was like early. And I, I think I was around a little bit coming to see the guys play before, because of the daylight records uh, yeah. era of Jonas Brothers, you know, um, before before the Hollywood records. So, you know, you show it in the Happiness Begins documentary where you're in that grind when you're going around and you're playing. Yeah. Um, I remember like seeing that and because uh, I was there for it. And uh, I remember the original lineup, you know, the, the, all the musicians and, um, and some of those guys that are still around, you know. Um, yeah, no question. But, yeah, but I mean, but it, it wasn't, um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen just because of the song, you know, it happened uh, with the hard work that goes, that yeah. goes into being a band and, and, and what goes into building an audience. Well, speaking of, it is really hard work. And you mentioned that you guys were together for about, what, two and a half years, you said? Yeah. So why the break? What happened? Um, because we, you know, our family went through also a time of, hey, we, we need time apart and we need the guys needed to pursue some individual efforts. But what led to that break? And then I want to talk about what's coming. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel obviously that's largely to me. Um, I, I feel like the difference with the, the difference with what I was pursuing at the time and what most people would pursue as a solo endeavor is that my thing was so different to, to Busted and almost like in a different universe. And I felt like the two things couldn't coexist because I felt like they were too opposed. At that time, I mean, funnily enough. Into if Busted were around today, I don't think it would matter. But at the time, going from a pop band into a heavy rock band was a very difficult task. Do you know what I mean? So I so it was it was you know something that I I felt like I had to do. Um, and James and Matt were, were were incredible about it. You know, it shows the two the, the kind of guys that they are to have given me nothing but support the entire time from then to now. Do you know what I mean? I mean that was a very hard thing for me to put on them and for them to have to deal with. And I'll be forever in, in gratitude for that. Um, but, you know, when it comes to when it comes to artistry, you, you've got to sort of follow, follow your, you know, follow your heart and what you think is right at the time. And, and and that is really difficult. But that is what art is. You know what I mean? It's not a business. It's something that you do to make you happy, you know. Well, and when it becomes a business uh, too often, that's when it fails. It yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, exactly. I think people, people, people easily start to recognize that um you know and I, and I never wanted it to be that for us I, and to be, to be honest you know us coming back in 2016 you know all that time had passed and we'd had that time um you know se separated but I think that allowed us to come back in 2016 and then we you know we made two albums that I think are two of our best pieces yeah. of work you know, we did, I, yeah we did. I think I think the truth the truth is about it is that we have made a really long string of bad business decisions but what we've learned is is that the the right business decision isn't always the right decision um you know you can't you can't lead with that you can't lead with 
this is the right business decision all the time because what when we when we decided okay the band's going to break up uh for the reasons that it broke up we put the band on ice you know we didn't uh we didn't try and uh carry anything on in some weird tragic way you know and, and burn out in this kind of uh weird way we just kind of said okay that's it you know and i think because of the way that we dealt with it it was able to come back fresh you know yeah. um instead of it being weird like because i mean because a lot of bands they they have the success the first time it doesn't guarantee the success the second time that's right and and if you and if you're always doing things if you're leading with the with the business decision all the time i think fans can sometimes smell that and yeah. uh and, I agree. and and it's you know they can read they can feel there's a feeling that you get and and i think that um people can tell and so it's always good to uh listen to hey you know what is it that we want you know like maybe this company want to put our faces on these acoustic guitars but like what is it that we want you know um and what is it that what it, what's best for the fans and you know would we rather our fans bought real guitars or would we rather our fans bought a cheap guitar from this department store with our faces on it which costs like 10 quid i mean it should just be like do the do what you think is right you know over for the greater good not just the business well tell me what's ahead because i know there look there there's a famous quote that i love so much if you can't beat them outlast them and so <laughs> for the ones that outlast uh you guys you know you're there 20 years later congratulations Thank you, man. That's that's. I think that's quite an achievement in itself, because like you know, having having a, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that it's twenty years since we first um, started down this road. You know, so and I think the fan the fans feel it. You know, the fans. I feel I feel like Busted was a big part of it. it like a lot of people's childhood is associated with Busted. Like they they they. It, it's it's a dear. It's a part of their sort of um existence is growing up and i think that's as we have our favorite band, i mean i know my favorite bands you almost feel like that you're they're a part of you and do you know what i mean and i think yeah. that's really special so well, it's really cool to look, I'm, I'm older but you know there was one show in miami and barry gibb was there oh yeah and he was like sitting at the table just talking to the guys about touring with his brothers and i was like i was a puddle on the ground yeah that's awesome uh, so wow those bands that impact your life in that critical time where you're critical yeah absolutely it's so important yeah i think i think as well i think it's interesting because i i mean that's amazing that you got to meet uh barry gibb i mean that's crazy but i um i feel what you were saying about being around 20 years later a lot of people you know you know the, 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 the some people they come around like you guys broke up and then you were gone for this long and and then you came back and then you took another break and now you're back so it's not really 20 years and and i always i always like to use i tend to use the paper airplane analogy you know in 20 years ago we threw a paper airplane and it doesn't matter we let go of the paper airplane at that point you know if the paper airplane's still flying 20 years it doesn't have to, you know, it's like, 
it's it once you put music out into the world the band lives the band breathes right you know you launch the paper airplane and that paper airplane flies wherever the wind takes it and and i think that the wind took that paper airplane pretty far you know it took it you know to the states it it, it ended up with you guys for that one song and all the different songs live their own little lives they're their own little paper airplanes and you launch all these paper airplanes and 20 years later you look back on the last 20 years and you see where the plane the planes went yeah and they never think they never they never stopped flying when we when we when we broke up people didn't stop listening to busted they carried on listening it's still right. it was still a part of people's lives even though we weren't active you know yeah so i think what it is it's like it's it, this is what we're doing now you know it's like we look back on 20 years and you know we just feel like we want to celebrate 20 years of busted you know that's what this is you know so good well for each of you as a final question if you could go back prior to even walking in the, that record company with those songs and could say anything to your young self 20 years ago what would you say to a young matt a young james a young charles good question Gavin. i would say um i would say stop and smell the roses a little bit yeah. Like there were so many, so many times when you're, when you're thinking so far ahead, you know, that like of what's coming and we were never, we never really had any time to absorb what was happening at the time. Yeah, it's it true. Was about the, it was about the next show. You're only as good as your next single. You're only as good. Like we were recording the second album whilst releasing, whilst releasing the third single from the first album. Right. You know, so it, was, it was just a constant, like we were on this train and it was kind of just going. And, um, and we didn't really get a chance to absorb it. And I, I look back at pictures, I look back at um, TV performances, and it brings me such joy. And at the time, I'm not sure if I was taking that in enough. Yeah. You know, that's so good. Yeah, I, I, I would actually agree with that completely. I, I, I did a th an interview earlier on today where they showed me, um, it was like some of the moments throughout my career, and I had to sort of talk about it on camera. And, um, one of them was the Brit Awards because we, we we won two Brit Awards um, in 2004 and I watched they showed me the video of it and I don't really even remember it I probably had too many beers to be honest but like you know, I, 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 I don't I, I don't feel like I really stood there and thought oh my god we're at the Brits you know but I think everyone every, I think that's a probably a, quite a common thing probably with the Jonas Brothers stuff that's happened to them they can't really remember it because it's just it's such a blur but just taking I, used it. To, I used to say to the guys, you know, this is a camera. Yeah. Take the picture. You may yeah. not see this yeah, again. Right. Take take the picture because mental picture. It, 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 just let it sear into your brain matter because yeah. you may not relive this, and yeah. you'll never relive it this age with this excitement. It'll never be like the young brother Franklin uh, just released his song, and it's he's got some magical music coming right and, you know it's i i said to him and to his brothers like remember guys your first single the fear the excitement like remember it and to frankie it was you, there'll never be another first this is an introduction song it's not a single but like there'll never be another first so yeah take it in take it in so james what about you man um I was thinking about that. I um, I don't know what I don't know what I would say um, because uh, that I didn't feel. You know, I don't know what I don't know what I would say to myself that I didn't think. 
at the time. I remember when, you know, when we, the Brit Awards was a crazy night for us. And I remember winning the first award because we were nominated for three and we won two of them. And going on stage to pick up the first one, I told myself right there and then, if this ends tomorrow, I will be satisfied. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will be satisfied with uh, everything. And, um, and, and everything for me from that point on was a bonus. And it's weird because I would want to tell myself now the same things that I actually feel like I genuinely felt. Um, I was, you know, I was actually, it was hard to just when the band went away because it was very big. And um, when we kind of gave way for Charlie's decision, that was a very difficult adjustment to make. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult adjustment for anyone to make, but right. I was always, I had this weird, like, I was like 20% excited or something, you know, that, that, that I was getting time back that I didn't know where I was going to be next week or that I didn't know I was going to be next month. And there's a mystery of the unknown that uh, comes back into your life. And that's exciting, you know, and, and letting, and letting go of those things. And so I feel like I was, I don't look back. What I'm saying is, is I don't look back at my time then and think, I wish I knew then what I knew now. Cause I actually do feel like I was so grateful. Like being in a band was something I wanted my whole life. Right. I wanted it my whole life. It wasn't, I didn't fall into it. You know, it wasn't a mistake or an accident. This was something that I think all three of us were actually, we had a, an agenda. We wanted to be in a band. We were seeking out a career in the music business and it was a lot of dedication. And so I think it was natural to feel that way. Um, I Good. think, um, I think, I, I think you can always, you can never be too happy for other people's success, you know? Um, and I think that everyone's guilty of feeling a little bit like, oh, you know, it's cool, but you know, I wish that was us or whatever, or I wish that was me. And, and I think that uh, being, being happy for other people's success comes back at you in, 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 in an even bigger way. I so totally agree with you. Uh, most of my life has been spent helping people live their dream and helping people achieve it. And uh, there's a satisfaction that comes with that, that I enjoy in many ways more than being on stage myself. And so um, I, I get that, you know, I have said recently, I would, I, I would not have worried as much. Like I, I, I would have you said, mean, you, mean yes, you wish you hadn't worried so much. I worried a lot for my for my artist and for my family. And a lot of that was just wasted time. So I would probably say like smack myself and say, you know, hey, this is awesome. Enjoy it. Yeah, I think because Don't you're worry unique, about how other things are gonna come. Yeah, you're in a unique position because having to be, you know, you, you had to take care of your father's worry, your fatherly worries as much as your sort of, as much as anything else and they, and they they're, they're incredibly deep running so I, I i definitely wouldn't envy what you had to go through <laughs> it was the same thing oh, and i wanted to do it in a healthy manner and and i and i think i did but it, it and too many parents don't but i that's the piece that i would probably like say to a younger kevin senior is like hey stop worrying you're not fixing it by walking around in circles in the middle of the night yeah. and just enjoy it's not as loose it's not as uh easily impacted as your your fear makes it appear 
uh, look at you guys. You've taken breaks. You've taken other breaks. You've lasted 20 years, and it was never as fragile as it feels from one single to the next. Right, yeah, man. Yeah. Guys, huge honor. Congratulations. Um, I, I just so look forward to look. I want to see you guys live myself because I had to miss that concert. So someday soon, I hope I get to see you guys live. But I, from my heart, as dad, as manager, as a fan, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, so Kevin. And for those listening, thank you. Please follow, please subscribe, do all the things and share with others and make sure you go check out. If you don't already know their versions of those songs or you don't know their music, go check it out. These guys are the real deal. Guys, thank you so much.